Okay, ramblers, let's get rambling. Now where it is now, everybody wants a piece of the market. <laughs> oh my God, that is funny! I don't remember asking you a thing. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you? With all due respect, what the f*** are you talking about? Oh, I'm sorry, did I break your concentration? What the f*** is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's wrong. You represent the idiocy of today. I did not know that. English, motherfucker, do you speak it? Are you listening to me? That's my shit together, is my shit together. Nice personality combination, hostile and intolerant. So that's, that's it then. No one else really knows anything. Hello, Nobody, Station Jacks. I'm tomorrow. I'm going to burn on the board. SP Futures up 8. NZF Futures up 27. We were up... Uh, virtually all the day yesterday, and then we uh, ended up mixed. Uh, we ducked a little bit on the close, and we're kind of making it up right now. Although we were down 391 on the Dow's, we had a few stocks that were down a whole bunch. Uh, so that was an issue in a couple of them. Uh, Goldman Sachs being one, it was down $30 at one point, and it closed down like 22 or something. But Goldman Morgan, uh, Microsoft was down. There's a few stacks that were down. Now today, uh, the only stacks moving at IBM down 279. That's two percent. Rest of the stuff is. Fairly quiet. Boeing's up a dollar thirty-four. American Express up one seventeen. Do we have Mr. Kevin? We do indeed. How are you, bud? Good morning. I'm doing fine. How you doing? I'm doing all right. And you used your your excuses that uh, that you actually were teaching class and doing something worthwhile to not go see that dead from the neck up ball club last night. Um, it, as good an excuse as I can come up with. A legit. A legitimate one, but uh, not not that I necessarily would have needed a legitimate one. Um, I, I think the only game the only game I plan to attend the rest of the year is when uh, is the first weekend of February when the Red Panda Acrobat will be there. Red Panda Acrobat, who mm. is that? Yeah. You, do you know who she is? She no. is no, I do not. Andrew or a man, it's like the, <laughs> it's like the cheesiest, craziest halftime act ever, and it's wonderful. It's even better than frisbee dogs. What she does is she's she's riding a unicycle. It's a it's probably about an eight foot tall unicycle, and uh, and then she she puts a bowl on her head, <laughs> and then she puts she uh, sets you know balances with one foot and puts a bowl on the other foot, and then you know she launches the bowl up in the air. It kind of flips around you know overturns a couple of times and lands on top of the other bowl. How does somebody get up so on now top? She's got two bowls on her head. How do you get up on so top? So she of takes her? two bowls and stacks them on her foot and launches them, and they both go up there and boom, boom, they they land in there, and now you have four bowls on her head. And she keeps doing this all the way up to flipping five bowls at the same time. Uh, it uh, is awesome. Let's start from the beginning. How does somebody get on, up on an eight-foot unicycle? With help, jump. of course. Oh, with help. You got somebody helping you up there. Yeah. Yeah. They gotta throw you on top. And they got someone who tosses her the balls too. Have either one of you creatures ever ridden a unicycle? I have not. I have not. I have not. I would imagine it's tough. I would it's imagine tough. it's very tough. Which is worse, falling back or landing on your nose? Oh. I'd say the nose. Mm, I'm going with the tough nose. Tough call, but I I have not seen her fall. I've seen her miss on the, with the balls once in a while. Every every few years she'll we'll see her miss. You know, miss one, but then she does a do-over and uh, and makes it the second time. Well, what is, what is caused? I mean, what what in society is is it a leftover from COVID? Is it 
What has caused the, the total degradation of enthusiasm for the product? There's nobody in the place. The team looks like they're I think the uh, performance of the team over a series of years has uh, has caused a lack of enthusiasm. I've always felt that, from the student standpoint, that the uh, um, that they only go out for events. So, in other words, you know, you can have a good game in the middle of the week against uh, you know a Clemson or a Wake Forest or somebody like that. Um, but they're not going to show up unless it's Duke or North Carolina, and it's going to be on national TV. And then everybody's in the student section acting like, the, acting like they've been there all along, and, and they're such crazy, rabid fans. Um, but I, I just don't think there are many students who are, who are basketball fans anymore. Um, they're, what they are is they're big event fans. Um, and so they go to football games, because football games are always big events. Um, and, uh, you know, that, uh, so, so you see them out there. But so that that's the student side of it. The local side of it is that this has always this has always been a great basketball area, and people love good basketball. But they are not necessarily Notre Dame fans. There are, there's a hardcore of Notre Dame fans in in the South Bend area, but most of the people are Notre Dame football fans and Indiana basketball fans. So unless the Irish are really good, they aren't going out. They'll go out for good basketball, but they're not going to go out just to see the Irish because it's their team. Because it's not their team. Their team is Indiana. Well, I don't, I don't get the. I mean, we, we, well, it was a long time since you and I were there, but the, the place was rabid. I mean, you would never miss a game. I mean, what is uh, the whole? I, no, I, we never missed a game, but it wasn't rabid when they played an early season game against Valparaiso, who was not very good in those days. In those days, Valparaiso was a very low-level independent. So when they did those warm-up games, it wasn't necessarily rabid. I'm not so sure they did so many warm-up games in those days. They played less games, but still. Uh, I, I agree. I mean, I just, I, you know, what I'm trying to do is is link together. I mean, that's uh, what I, I try and do here <laughs> is the uh, whatever I am at Stocks and Jacks, uh, I try to link together th- this sort of attitude where, where where people are. I mean, I watched the Wake Forest uh, Clemson game afterward. God, it was like a whole different sport. The place is alive. People, the, the benches are alive. Everything. I mean, it's it's a whole different. Yeah, they're game. rivals. They're they're they're, they're regional rivals. So the, the other thing is, I don't think the ACC has been good for uh, uh, Notre Dame basketball. I mean, they, they won the league in their second year, and that was kind of cool, but. The Big East, when they played in the Big East, they were playing Villanova. They were playing Georgetown. They were playing, um, you know, uh, I mean, you, you can go down the, the laundry list of schools, that, you know, uh, uh, Providence, um, et cetera. They were playing all these colleges where a lot of the Notre Dame students also applied, and a lot of them, you know, the ones that come out of Catholic schools have friends who attend there. Uh, so there were some natural rivalries there. I don't think anybody, you know, why would anybody in, uh, uh, from Notre Dame really care a lot about Wake Forest? Or Florida State. Or Florida State, for that matter, yeah. Well, all right, I, I get it. I just, and Florida State's not very good this year either, or hasn't been very good, good enough to beat the Irish twice, but not very good. But I absolutely do love their coach, uh, Leonard Hamilton, who mm-hmm. looks like he's about 45 and actually is in his 70s. Really, we got to find his mm-hmm. secret. We got whatever he's taking. We need to get some. Maybe good jeans, good jeans. I'd love to get some. Yep. Um, well, because I'm trying to do is I'm trying to string together here. String. I don't know that's a term. Uh, what when you start talking about uh, people paying twenty five million for shortstops for a decade? You talk about I listened to Wayne. I was forced to listen to the Bears' new. Uh, 
president talking about this uh, Arlington Park deal, which appears to be a good deal for the Bears if they don't have to pay any taxes, if uh, the area out there totally puts all the infrastructure together for 300 acres that is not developed. Uh, I say developed only, I think only the the uh, stands had like uh, water and, and you know and sewage and stuff. Maybe, you know, maybe the uh, <coughs> the outbuildings where the horses were, uh, barns for lack of a better term. Um, but plus, they I'm sure they expect to get a casino. You know, we got to give them a casino, mm. and you know, God knows what else. So they're, they're trying to take it out of everybody else's hide. But do we really? I mean, looking at what's going on, you know, with the Irish and other places, and what would baseball, even even uh, football this year, we're down three percent in listeners in a. And uh, watchers, listenership, whatever you want to call it. I mean, are, are we really thinking that every stadium now it's ninety thousand people needs to be one hundred and ten thousand? Are we going? Is society really going that direction? I don't. I don't know that it is. Uh, well, I, I don't know that it is either. I, I think there are a handful of colleges that can support that kind of uh, capacity. Um, there are, you know, in, in the Bears' case, what do they hold? Like fifty nine, sixty thousand, something like that. Yeah. So they could stand to to have more seats if they you know if they're good it'd be the hottest ticket in town, um, which of course is an if. But um, but they you know they, there's they have an undersized stadium, cool. But you also note you notice that there are a number of schools who are downsizing. You know we saw that we're seeing that with Northwestern, uh, and we're seeing that with several others where. You know what? What they're building is smaller. Yeah, they they're looking for some high end seats for their uh, one percenters uh, to keep them amused. But they know they're not going to sell it out, and they would rather have a full house than more capacity. And it, this is this was the uh, Notre Dame basketball model, by the way. The, before they redid the arena, there it was it hauled over eleven thousand. After they redid it, it only holds a little over nine thousand. It's a it's a really good place to watch a game because it's very intimate. But um, it's too intimate. The, no place you know, for the your capacity legs. is there. They could they could sell fifteen thousand for Duke, but they can't sell nine thousand for most of their games. So you know they're perfectly willing to downsize and uh, live with the unmet demand on occasion. Well, plus I'm not convinced that the, if you if you upgrade the Bears twenty thousand people that your that your average ticket price is going to be the same for the extra twenty. I don't think it's be, I don't think it'll be close. Well, it might not be. So you know, good for them if they can get more. You know, but, but the point being is how, how but, much. But again, you know who's 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 paying for the more. Uh, it, you know, I think they're counting on Arlington Park Park being a, a full entertainment complex, sort of. You know, it, and that that may have a casino. That's what I would think that they would want there, um, because that's a huge money maker. But uh, and, and plus, you know, on, on home games, it's you know, <laughs> imagine how many people go to get down their bets and so on. But also, you know, get there early, do a little gambling. It's going to be the new tailgating is go to the casino. Well, why would but you? They, they also are probably looking at trying to have a uh, a regular retail development area uh, or mixed use type of development area, uh, similar to what you have in the, uh, uh, the development area that used to be Glenview Naval Air Base. I don't know if you've ever been there, um, but that's that's all redone as a, a real high end uh, uh, shopping area. It's beautiful, and they have some good places to eat there. Um, but so, I am so sure you're going to see something that resembles that as well. So why why 
if if that's an ongoing concern, I mean, if that's something that makes sense, and I, I would question that, to be honest with you, uh, because, well, I listened to a guy a few years ago that said that the, every, every certainly in the Midwest or in the Chicago area, there's 100 square feet of retail space for every man, woman, and child. I mean, our, and, and now we have people who never walk into a store to buy everything online. I'm not saying that's me. But uh, is, is that something that you look at 10 years from now and say you need more retail space? Maybe you need retail space like you need another behind, you know? I don't know. I mean, it's no. You don't. You don't need it unless unless you have a kind of retail space that you can't get online. I, that, that's why I cited the Glenview model. I agree. I mean, um, because it, it, it's a lot of boutique type of stores, and you know, it's it's where people want to go, uh, shop, hang out, have a bite to eat. You know, all, all of those kinds of things. But for, uh, for or in my case, where I'm there to go park and meet my family and have a bite, have a bite to eat. I, I get it. I I'm just what I'm. Reason why I'm, I'm I'm digging here is because if 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 Matt Byrne wanted to open up a restaurant or a retail space and get his own financing and go ahead and do it, that's the American way. And I'm counting on Matt Byrne to, to do it right. And hopefully, you know, a lot of retail spaces and a lot of restaurants go under. I'm hoping I would cheer for him to to be a success at his. But Matt's not asking the city to build it for him. I would never. Uh, you would if you thought you get if they were dumb enough to do it. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, what do you mean that's not the American way, Tom? Yeah, it is uh, the American sure way. Sure, it is now. the American way. But it, the whole idea that, that, that a football team deserves this, I don't even know how. Plus, I mean, just on the revenue side, the stadium itself, the, the Bears are, are paying, you know, $6.5 million in rent, and their revenue over to 60,000 people with the seat licenses and all the other stuff they sell, they sold and the Hundred and fifty dollars seats on the one side, and the whole the whole routine and the skybox has got to be up to twenty five hundred a ticket by now. I mean, it's. I mean, it, now you're going to go to another place. It's going to cost at, at the minimum four billion dollars to come up with twenty thousand extra seats. So now your your nut is going to be two hundred and forty million a year versus six for twenty percent or thirty percent more people. I mean, for God's sake, Kevin, the, the numbers don't even don't wash at all. Plus. The total revenue. Yeah. So what do they what do they have to do to, to cut into that? Well, becomes your question. Well, then the question and, is, they, they and 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 I don't I don't know that there's enough that you can do. I, I am sure that they will want to uh, do uh, music. They'll try to get really you know big time. You know we can sell eighty thousand seat con- uh, concerts, sort of like Notre Dame bringing in Garth Brooks. Yeah, but I, mean, I think they have Billy Joel coming up, where they think they can they can sell out the joint. But uh, so that that's a part of it. But I, you know, I, I think uh, you know. I don't know what other events that they think they can get in there. I, I, I just don't have any feeling for it. I'm sure they would be looking for a Super Bowl out of it. You know, th- that would be part of it. Okay, but the Super Bowls will come once because if the city gives them enough money for a stadium, they, the reward is a Super Bowl. But it's allegedly mm-hmm. it's allegedly a hundred million dollars. It's, it's worth to the year. Right. So, so that, there's that part of it, and, and I, I would love to hear what the uh, um, what some taxpayers in Arlington Heights think about it. I'll, I'll call my sister-in-law because she's, she's well. The board is all for it because they're all going to get taken care of. I mean, oh I'm yeah, sure, I mean, um, and and you know, I've been through this locally, um, where you, you, with or without evidence, it certainly appears that the board is being taken care of. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I mean, it's we, right now. We, the the state of Illinois, the city of Chicago, not, they're not involved, but the county certainly would be, does not need to give the Bears a friggin' dime. 
got homeless all over the damn place. I mean, I just, mm-hmm. I mean, what are we doing? Yeah. And they're, they're making total revenue for the place. I mean, they're, they're getting, they, they get a check for the salary cap from the networks. Plus, I, I honestly do believe, Kevin, that there's a, <coughs> and then again, this is just, you're talking about event stuff, and you're talking about people, you know, maybe being half smashed when they're there, but uh, I, I cannot, there, there, there is a disconnect between watching, the being the studio audience, watching the game on TV somewhere with a bunch of people and whatever, somehow or another, there's only, there's a, there's only, there's a limit to how much you can drive 12 minutes of action. In college, we're up to a four-hour time slot, at least, and at least the bowl games and stuff, and in the national champion, it's at a point where it's unwatchable, even if it's an exciting game. I mean, I, I mean, can you drive it to five or six? I mean, wh- how far can you go with, with no action? Look what we've done in baseball. I mean, uh, it's they're unwatchable between the time between innings and the time between pitches. Though that could change a little this year. Wh- where's the action? It's nowhere. And I love baseball, but it's it's. It's, you compare that to a neighborhood softball game where you throw the ball in there and a guy hits it. It's not even it's not even the same sport, is it? Yeah, it, it's it's really and, and even college basketball screws it up at the end because they have these really long reviews that you know in many cases if you, if you have to take three minutes to figure it out, then just let the call on the court stand. It, you know that that's sort of the point of it is to fix the egregious mistakes, not. Not the uh, most ticky tacky mistakes, and I, I get that some team is going to look at that and go, "We got screwed." Okay, so you did. That happens. It always has happened. But college basketball generally fits into a two-hour time slot, which is why I really like going to games um, because then you know you really you know you're in there, you're out of there, you're not committing your whole day to it, um, and uh, and it's and it's generally good entertainment. Not late, not this year, but uh, generally it's. It's good entertainment, and I see a lot of great basketball players. And uh, you know, you, you know, I can't, I can't begin to count, you know, to recount the number of uh, re- really outstanding NBA players that I saw play in college. So, um, so it's you know that that's a good deal. Um, and I, whereas, yeah, college football can take four hours easily. Uh, the uh, and and that's too long because now you know you're you're dedicating your day. Well, not only that, there's nothing going on. It's like, I actually saw a breakdown once. It's 26 minutes looking at the various coaches' faces, 12 minutes of action. Now, 30 minutes on a cheerleaders, that, that part I was okay with. That's all right. Yeah, something like that. But uh, There's your en- en- entertainment for the game. Yeah, but, yeah. I, but I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to do, Kevin, is... Well, that's, that's your reason to go to the game then, Tom, and take some binoculars. <laughs> well, the only time that, they, that the cheerleaders saved me was uh, my buddy Fred Wheaties gets... Uh, uh, tickets for the Illini Ohio State game in Columbus. So we fly down there. It's it's a rain soaked weekend like you wouldn't believe. The plane lands in this m- immense downpour. We find a cab. The, the the river that goes by Ohio State Stadium, the horseshoe, was was halfway to the horseshoe. <laughs> it was that it, w- it was bizarre. And uh, we had the world's worst seats. We were sitting in the first row, first row, but behind like the team on one end. So you couldn't see half. The only thing you could see was a twenty yards right in yeah, front of you. If you're down that low, everybody's standing in front of you. Yeah, absolutely. You don't, you don't ever want to be too low. The only good thing was the cheerleaders. Plus you don't get depth perception. Right, plus the, but the only good thing was the cheerleaders were in front of us for half the game, so better than the football, I guess. But, but actually, Kevin, my, my theme this week is, uh, or maybe the last week too, is when people give, and I you know I try not to give uh, 
well, I, I don't because I'm registered and stuff and really can't and don't want to, but it's it all, when, you, when you look at people's point of view and, you know, God, everybody's got to build a stadium out there. Okay, well, that's fine. Let's, let's all put up a bazillion dollars and do that. Why am I going to pay this shortstop X? I mean, wh- why am I even talking about that in Stocks and Jacks? Well, now today I'm looking at Jim Cramer warns investors not to panic sell reliable stocks. Okay, now Jim, if he doesn't just shoot off his mouth like I think he does half the time, uh, because I, you know, not not in a, not in a bad way, but it's <clears throat> it's really difficult to give advice every day. I mean, the last thing I would want to do is get on TV by myself and talk about the market and where the hell it's going in the individual stocks. Because guess what? He doesn't know. Nobody knows. Yet he has to make a show out of it. Okay, and I, I, whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm the guy knows has an encyclopedia of knowledge of of executives and who they are and met all these people. I mean, I, a lot of stuff I'm jealous of. But the fact is, he doesn't know anything more than I do, or you do. I mean, it's just simple as that, I mean, about the future. Now, the question is, when he says that, warns investors not to panic sell reliable stocks. Now, I have a, all kinds of clients, and I've had them for a long time. Now, when you're talking about a panic sell, you're talking about something that is, is a very bad situation for a person, and if, by the way, they happen to be your client, whether they're self-directed or whether you're doing the stuff or not, think hopefully it's not me doing it but I know a lot of people that over the time the years we've had PTI securities when you talk about a panic sell my brother Dan I'll get him on someday it's not about what people um, have lost it's about what they're about what they're likely to lose so for instance if you get somebody say they pile out of a 401k and they've got a billion and a half dollar IRA and they've got their house paid for or whatever the deal is they've done the deal and all of a sudden, you know, they're just, you know, they don't have any protected stuff. They don't want any of that stuff. They just want to be in the market, and they've got stuff. And it's fine. We have a lot of these people. And, uh, and there's a lot of times when you don't want to be protected. I mean, hell, there's a lot of days when you drive and you didn't get an accident. You probably didn't want to have car insurance, but you always do. Anyway, so, so maybe somebody goes from a million and a half to a million in their account. We've had 30% sell-offs in the last 40 years. This PTI has been around, or 35. Uh, now the person's down to a million. All of a sudden... Husband and wife have the conversation, and they say, well, yeah, the market looks better here than it did it when we had a million and a half. But guess what? At a million and a half, we had, we had a cushion in our retirement since the house is paid for, maybe the car is paid for. We had a cushion there, and now we don't have any more cushion. We can't afford to lose any more because if the million goes to 800000 now we got a problem. We're at a million, we're still okay. I guess... That's a panic. I don't ever. I would never want to be in a position of telling that person, "You better not do that," because their their motivations are something that are dear to them. So for somebody to get on TV and say, "Don't panic, sell," is that a panic sell? I guess it's a panic sell, but it's being done. No, I don't think. No, it's not a panic sell at all. It's it's being Uh, done for a reason, and and that's the point. Is he's giving advice on there that is that falls under the category of. Duh. Yet don't do anything as a panic move. Even if you are feeling panic, what you do is you step back, you analyze the situation, and you make the best decision for yourself. That's how good decision-making works. That's not panic selling. That's just exactly as you described it. It's a very rational approach. And if if you wouldn't have gotten out and you stayed in and two years later you'd be back up to a million two, you're not an idiot, even though everybody will call you an idiot. God, what'd you get? What'd you get out down there for? You big weenie. No, that's, that's not the truth. You got out for the for a reason, Kevin. It was 
that was I, I, I maybe would, would counsel okay is, is a million really your number and they'll say wow we could lose another 40 and I could say how about if I could find you know maybe puts out two years or something that I could protect you for that 40 the person may say I'll stay in or he might say I don't even want to do that but that's his call it's not mine it's up to me to, to give him the alternatives he may say okay for for 40,000 of quote insurance at this point I'll, I'll hang all right, and, but then at least you're giving somebody an option. You don't, you don't just say, "Oh God, no!" If take my trust me, it's going back up. <laughs> don't worry about it going to five hundred thousand, and you and a wife got to move out. You know, that's not. Yeah, well, you know, trust me is uh, is yeah. sort of like um, yeah, in Animal House when uh, um, when they uh, got back. Remember they they had Flounder's older brother's car for the yeah. weekend, and they went on the road trip. Yeah, <laughs> and they trashed the car. And they come back at the end, and poor Flounder is sitting there moaning, saying, what am I going to tell my brother? And Tim Matheson puts his arm around him and says, Flounder, you bleeped up. You trusted us. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me! Trust me! So uh, what I'm trying, I guess what I'm trying to fish here, Kevin, we're going to do this after break, because, I mean, you obviously are getting this kind of feedback in your class. And, and every time you're, somebody shows up, I'm going to say for, I, mean, I don't think you do this, but if somebody shows up for a welding class, Without telling you, they're telling they're they're making the statement that I think for the foreseeable future, being a welder is a good thing to be. Now, the person might yeah, be wrong. I don't teach welding, so I wouldn't know that. But okay. But I'm saying, but six months from now, all of a sudden, Biden or two years from now, some Republican dude could get in and say, "Guess what? We love China. We're making money there. Let's open the whole doors again." We don't we don't think they're going to ever be real bad guys. We have to fight someday or anything like that. All of a sudden, every welding job in the world's in China. The guy may make an absolute bleep up. He may, he, may, he should be in computers, or he should be in chef school, or something. I mean, I mean, those. That, I think it's it's more difficult now, Kevin. And we'll talk about it after the break for sure. SBF up nine fifteen, Nasdaq futures up twenty nine. It's more difficult now to try and chart your future and what you're planning to do than I think I've ever seen it. We'll be right back, Stocks and Jackson. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at cognoshr.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, 
is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Come on, flounder. You can't spend your whole life worrying about your mistakes. You f***ed up. You trusted us. <laughs> Good job. Good job, man. Can't spend your whole life worrying about your mistakes. SP Futures up 9. SP Futures up 29. Market was down last night, uh, about nine, and then so you can't can't worry your whole life that you sold last night on the close, and now you got the spooze eighteen points rammed up your behind. No, we can't worry about that, man. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You messed up a little bit. This messed up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Dow futures up twenty nine over in Europe. They've, Europe has been somewhat buoyant, and actually the number that probably turned us around a little bit, even though Europe's not up very much, was uh, UK inflation rate dropped for the second month. It's down to ten and a half percent. So I guess that's good. Uh, DAX up 21.1%, FTSE up 67 cents. I'm going to call that one flat. Kakaron up 19.3%. Over in Asia, which has been on a tear. Kneecap 652, 2.5%. Uh, Japanese stocks rise more than 2%. As Bank of Japan makes no change to yield range, yet they're way above their yield range. So I don't know how you pull that one off. Hang Seng up 100.5%. Shanghai up 16 cents. Let's call that one flat. Yesterday, as a way of review, we were down 391 on the Dow. was down huge. Again, for a few stocks. S&P was down 8, NASDAQ was actually up 15, so a mixed bag. Uh, bonds, 10-year, down 6 basis points at 3.47. This is the lowest it's been in a while. So it's kind of interesting that the Fed is raising rates and the interest rates are going down. You, you, couldn't, write, you couldn't write fiction like this and sell it. Uh, the bond down 3 basis points, 205, in danger of going under 2%. Japan down seven basis points to 0.43. It was 0.59 yesterday morning. So 
I mean, whatever they did, they're doing something over there because mm. uh, it's down some. Oil up a buck forty-eight, eighty-one sixty-six. So we're going to rise there in oil. Went up a dollar twenty-six, eighty-seven eighteen. Natural gas down twenty-one cents, three thirty-seven. Arbob up three cents, two fifty-eight. Arbob's been inching up here. Got down to like two ten, and now it's up forty some cents in the last few weeks, which is reflective at the pump, by the way. Gold up eight sixty, nineteen eighteen. After a down day yesterday, silver up twenty-eight cents. That's over one percent, twenty-four thirty-seven. Copper up seven cents, four twenty-nine, and we have uh, Bitcoin down ninety-eight bucks, but still over twenty-one thousand. So we're not afraid of it collapsing like we were when it was sixteen-five. And we have the U.S. dollar today is uh, down a little bit again. So the euro, euro is up over one hundred eight, and, and the British pound is one twenty, almost one twenty-four. So that's as high as it's been in like a real long time. Matt, what do you got for us? Traffic, weather, sports. Well, good morning. Currently six thirty-seven a.m. on January eighteenth, twenty twenty-three. Uh, traffic, uh, an accident westbound on the Dan Ryan. It occurred at 63rd Street, exit 58B, uh, reported as a pickup truck versus a pedestrian. Uh, no delay currently. Uh, in weather in Chicago, currently cloudy skies. Right now, 36 degrees, a high of 39 later today. Tomorrow, a chance of rain in the afternoon. Right now in Phoenix, cloudy skies, currently 44 degrees, a high of 57 and a low of 35. Last night, the NHL Blackhawks beat Sabres 4-3. Blackhawks back against Flyers on Thursday night. In the NCAA football, uh, basketball last night, I uh, got the football in the brain, uh, Tennessee won against Mississippi State, 72-59. Alabama victorious against Vanderbilt, 78-66. Baylor the winner up against Texas Tech, 81-74. And Houston versus T- Tulane, Houston won 82-60. So for now, Chief, back to you. So, Kevin, I'm, I'm uh, just in, in simple terms, that I, I know I'm kind of harping on this a little bit, but there's a... There's a a guy, a guy who plays softball with us. Actually, he's the grandson of a guy who's been playing Sunday morning so- Sunday morning softball forever. SMS, uh, and he, for for a while when he was like twelve years old, he just he just ran for the old guys, right? So, so he would run he'd, he'd run like twice around the bases like every inning because a couple of the old guys couldn't run once they got to mm-hmm. first base. But now he turned into a pretty good, you know, pretty good ball player, lefty, really good ball player. But so the kid's going to I think he's going to junior college and a uh, real nice kid, smart kid, and he. Somehow or another, is, is enamored with diesel mechanics, right? So he's taking some whatever he's doing in, in diesel mechanics school and so forth. So my brother Dan's like, "What the hell?" <laughs> you know, yeah. I, re- I really like the kid. He said, "But the whole world is telling you in 20 years there aren't going to be any diesel. You know, it, it's certainly in trucks and stuff, even though that may not happen." Uh, so it couldn't have been two days later. I happened, uh, the, the jalopy, speaking of trucks, was in the in the shop, so he actually took an Uber into work. And this guy picks me up, and it's, I can tell he's in the Middle East. I can't tell, you know, what country or anything. I didn't ask. Uh, nice guy. Car spotless, brand new. And I said, well, you know, what did you do before you were an Uber guy? And he goes, well, I still sort of do a little bit of it. He goes, I'm a, I'm a serious mechanic, and I specialize in diesel mechanic. And I go, really? It's like two days after Dan and I have this conversation, my brother. And, uh... I said, well, how come you're not doing that? And he goes, I hated it. And I go, why'd you hate it? I mean, you went, you went and did it because, you, well, no, I was trained to be a mechanic because I needed to get a job. He goes, I can do whatever you want. I put brakes, whatever you want me to do in your, your truck, I can do it. He said, but my specialty is in diesels to the point where I overhaul the whole, the whole diesel. Like, so, I mean, if you, uh, you know, if you have a big over-the-road tractor, uh, that's what they call it, not a truck, a tractor, tractor-trailer unit, uh, I guess they go what, Kevin? A million and a half miles, and then you and then you re- redo the whole thing or something. I don't know, but uh, he says it takes a, it takes at least a week. He goes, I'm making thirty five bucks an hour, so it's decent dough. 
He said, but you're by yourself, and at the end of the week, you're supposed to pop out with you know an overhauled diesel. There's nobody around you. There's nobody to talk to. He goes, it sucks. I hated it. You know, you're dirty. You're, you're grumpy when you get home. <coughs> Your wife doesn't like you. He says, you know, it. I like this so much better. I get to meet people. If I want to go make some money on a, week, on a weekend helping somebody out in their garage, I do. He goes, I like this so much better. It's so much easier on me. I just couldn't stand being alone doing that. He goes, plus, I'm making $35 an hour, so I'm making uh, essentially twelve, thirteen hundred bucks to to overhaul this thing. The guy who owns the place is charging the guy like twelve grand or something, or some number, or fifteen. He goes, if you don't own the place, you just are the part that goes over the fence last. And and I just, I'm sitting there and I'm going, boy, I, if I had five kids, I was going to say boys, but uh, whoever they were, boys, boys or girls, I have no idea what I tell these people, Kevin, in terms of what the future might hold. I mean, obviously, I think you want to do something like I did, where you learned a whole bunch of stuff in different areas and. You just wondered if you ever needed them, and yet when you get, you know, all the different places I've been in terms of manufacturing and service industries on the floor, somewhere along the line, everything I learned, I needed, you know, type of thing. And I was just lucky about that. Okay, well, I've got a couple of comments for that, because I just had this conversation with a classroom full of students last night. I can um, imagine. Hmm. Yeah, so, that's, that's uh, why I'm, ac- that's so, why I'm you know, I, I, yeah. I'll tell you what I told them, but before you do, I, I do want to mention that... Um, you know, first of all, being a diesel mechanic is, it's sort of like being a long haul trucker. That's not for everybody. If you, if you want to drive long distance in, in trucking, there's lots of jobs available, but part of the reason there's lots of jobs available is you're alone all the time. It is not a very social job at all. And if so, if you, if you're fine with solitude for, you know, 10 straight hours, Cool. You know, it's a good job for you. And and some people really are uh, like that. You know, just give me some music and an open road and I'm good. But there's a lot of people that, you know, you, you get six weeks into that and it's like, oh, I, I don't know if I can take this. So, you, you know, your guy, yeah, the job's not for everybody, but it is for some people. Um, part two is there may not, uh, diesels may not be a growth industry, but if you're, but they're going to be around for a while. And if you're the last diesel mechanic on, on Earth, you're going to make a fortune. It's sort of like COBOL programmers now. I, and I don't know if you know what COBOL is. But it's, yeah, oh, yeah. You know, it, was, it was the language of the uh, 70s and 80s, the programming language of the 70s and 80s. And, uh, and, and nobody is writing new COBOL programs now. But <laughs> there are a hell of a lot of COBOL programs still running, and when they break, someone's got to fix them. And so coders that know how to, you know, that, that know COBOL, are you know they make a fortune there aren't very many of them so they make a fortune so maybe you know maybe the guy's going to be in line uh, the young man's going to be in line to be the last diesel uh, uh mechanic on uh, you know or one of the last one of the last diesel mechanics and he may make a fortune doing that for the next 20 years or 30 years you know how until the last until the last diesel engine's gone so so that could, that can be a factor as well there, you know there is money to be made in in cash cows um, but uh, but the last thing is you know where is it all going? What I, you know I, I just got done. I, I'm teaching an um, IT class uh, 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 Tuesdays and Thursdays. So we had our first meeting last night. One of the things I tell them is, look, I, I'm going to teach you some really good information about the subject matter. But my real mission here is to teach you to be a really good professional person. Whatever your discipline is, 
you're going to need, it does, and it doesn't matter. You can pick any discipline, anything futuristic, anything current, it doesn't matter. If you can do some research, solve problems, make recommendations, work in teams, deal with you know diversity in all its dimensions, uh, um, you know whether it's whether it's racial, gender, age, you know whatever, uh, you know just if you can if you can navigate a diverse workforce, if you're going to show up on time, be reliable, and uh, uh, and you can stand up in front of a group of people and talk, you are going to be in demand. Everybody I ever uh, uh, meet from the business world says, "Look, I, I'll train people if I need to train them in specific tasks for for the job." Those are the things that I need people to be able to do. Um, and and so you know, when you say, "What am I going to tell young people?" Tell them that. Well, I, I would agree, and I, and I think I that, just told them. Well, I think that 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 to a certain extent happened to me. I mean, I didn't I didn't need a University of Chicago MBA to be a, a small agency consultant for Allied Van Lines, or I probably didn't even really need it for most of what I did at Pullman. Although they gave me the jobs that, you know... Yeah, it's a nice credential. But they, but they gave me the jobs where they they thought that they thought nobody else could do, and they probably were right about that. But I guess what I'm saying, I, I'm, I'm sensing it everywhere. It's not just... I mean, I use my as, as a foil, unfortunately, my nephew, who I, you know, obviously we're really pretty tight, and uh, <clears throat> he's working for this machine place. And they just did a couple of big jobs for uh, I don't want to name the places, but places you would you would recognize. You know, one's a big candy maker, one's something else, where they they went in and made parts for stuff that's thirty years old. And they did that stuff. Yet, they're 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 we're talking about Chicago in the machine area where we used to have you know U.S. Steel, we used to have Pullman, we used to have Ream, we used to have Electromotive. We still have some of that, but the the the, the, the steel supply area was a massive business. And all of a sudden, as much as you may, you know, say people's, there were a lot of guys that at age 45 and 50, not 65, got tossed out of Pullman or that were, you know, rail car designers, manufacturing engineers, machine operators, welders and stuff, and electricians that, and that real fine work you do there, maybe they could have spread out and gone to Tulsa or some damn place, and then, but they were, they were from here, they always been here, their family was, it was, it was a massive cultural shock. It really has not been, you know, it's not been, the salve has not been on it to this day. So you're going to see a place like where my nephew works. I mean, unfortunately, the, the guy who runs it's sick, but say he wasn't. Nobody is thinking, this is a 10-year phenomenon, and I really better get my fanny over to bank and buy that building across the street because business is not only going to double, it's going to triple, and guess what? My kids are going to work here. Nobody's thinking that way. I mean, it, maybe they should. Uh, and, and I think maybe we're reaching the point where we're, uh, no, I, I, I think they shouldn't. Okay, I think they shouldn't. It, it, again, it's what are what are the skills that are in demand? It may not be in demand where you work, but it, what are the skills that are going to be in demand everywhere? And though, and, and those are the things that I just listed. If you're, you know, if you're if you're a problem solver, and you can document that, so you have to be able to document it. And you know, people people always mm-hmm. do resumes when they make resumes. They put what their responsibilities were. No, you put your accomplishments on there, and uh, and because it's those are what catch hiring managers' attention, and that's what gets you into the pile that gets you an interview. Well, I didn't, but, I, I didn't uh, make you, myself clear. You, but I, you I, have to, you have to, you know, have that kind of a focus uh, in in what you do, and it is more about you know what what's your skill set, what uh, what can you bring to the table for somebody, not 
uh, you know, not what I've done in the past, but what I'm capable of doing in uh, going forward. Well, I probably was not articulate enough, but I, I jumped a level on you. I'm saying I'm, I'm not now. I'm not talking about the employee skills. I'm talking about the person who owns the building or the sh- shareholders. I guess most of these are not shareholder places, but um, if if they were, nobody's making the jump and saying, "I believe, I believe." Trump, I believe Biden that we're going to do some of this stuff at home. Meanwhile, you watch CNBC and Fox all day long, and all these people doing tell you invest in China because that's where the money is. So I mean, I don't, I don't know that somebody is going to tell the wife, oh, by the way, I went to the bank, but they want me to put the house down because I'm buying this building or I'm adding to this place or I'm buying three or four new machines. Because I really do think that if we start building more here than we used to, we're a thousand. Machine supply places, repair places, uh, short in this country. It might be 2,000, Kevin. It might be 4,000. No, nobody feels that they can make that call here. Maybe a few people are, and I just don't know them, but they're, they're doing it. They're going to work overtime with their people. They're going to maybe buy one machine when they really need four. But nobody's saying, I need to do this for 20 years, and by the way, my kids are going to retire from here. No, nobody's saying that. And I, somehow we got to get there from, from a from – a, a management standpoint, if if we're really going to do it, or from a management standpoint, for uh, you know you know you know what I'm talking about. I mean, I don't even really to. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. It, what's here, here's an interesting phenomenon locally. One of our um, one of our regular li- listeners who lives over here, uh, Joe, um, had the observation recently when he and I were talking uh, that there's there's a whole lot of companies right now that are doing capital investments locally here. Their business is slow, and they're seizing the moment. Now, now a lot of this is RV-related. So okay. you know, RVs were setting records uh, through the pandemic and, and the immediate years afterwards. Now they're much, much slower. Um, and uh, But what they are is they're flush with cash, and they're doing CapExes because uh, they're gearing up for whatever their next wave is going to be, and they want to be you know a little leaner, a little more efficient, um, and, uh, and and it's a lot easier to implement that stuff when there's a uh, business slowdown. But the, the point I'm making is they are investing in the business. They are, they are putting capital money into the business. Okay. I mean, I, I mean, it's kind of, kind of interesting to see. I don't, you know, I, we, you know we're, we're speculating that that's the reason. Um, it, it makes sense. I've talked to a few other businesses, and they say, yeah, it makes sense. Um, but I don't have, I, I can't document that it's a widespread practice, but I think it's a, it's a really, really interesting observation. Well, there's also, and, um, unless you, and, and, and it's a, uh, um, you know, it, it's, uh, it, it, you know, it, it is, it is somebody investing in domestic business. Well, I mean, there's two sorts of, again, I, you know, I, I know this because of my Pullman days and, and I, of course, I listen to my, my nephew all the time. There's, there's two sorts of investment. I mean, the, the investment they did from uh, the one big place here, uh, investment, the, the parts that they sold them, they were simply, the machines were built in the 70s, and a lot of stuff wore out. So they're bringing things back up to spec. That's, and I, I suspect if they had, and I don't know, but I suspect that the in the business you're talking about, uh, if they had three or four good years with COVID, which I think they did, plus they had a pretty good year before COVID, I think, uh, RV business, my guess is they've beat some of that stuff up pretty bad and then need some big capex just to get back to what I would consider square one. I mean, I, I, I bet... That, that is some of it. 
I mean, I, I, but some of it is saying where are we sourcing our parts because they still source a lot of stuff. Okay, well, but I'm saying there, I, there's a number of them that I know for a fact are trying to bring uh, bring their sourcing uh, domestically, and the only way you can afford to do that is automation. I well, my my point is, and we're trying to get to the question. I don't know, and I don't, I don't know if you know, you know better than me, but I don't know that they're to a point where okay, we used to do 50 RVs a year. During COVID, we did 70. So we taxed our equipment, and we're, we're going to make that stuff come back up to speed because we're even though we're doing forty now, we think we're going to get back to fifty. I don't know that you're getting three years from now. Things are looking better in this country. We're going to start doing eighty-five regularly, so we need fifty percent more stuff. I, I I don't know that they're there, Kevin. I mean, I don't know. If yeah, you I, do, I don't know what their forecasts are either, Tom. Um, but wh- but but I'm looking at it from the cross side. I, well, I, what I'm, I guess I'm, not, I'm trying to I'm do looking is at they're gearing up from the revenue side. They're gearing up doing things that are going to, uh, uh, you know, are, are better for the long-term health of the business. Well, what and, I'm trying to know, get avoid to avoid disruptions, uh, avoid supply disruptions. But uh, my, what I'm trying to get to is if we were to take you and I, we'll bring Matt Byrne with because he's, he's our young, our, our young eyes, mm-hmm. and three or four listeners and get in a boardroom and say, "Okay, bleeps, <laughs> you talk about it all the time. What is your forecast? What's the world going to look like five years?" Should I go out and, and have the capability of 10% more RVs or, or, or my nephew's place 20% more parts for these places? Are we going to hang in? Are, are, are we serious about about bringing some of this stuff home? Are we serious about somebody getting a career to learn how to maintain machines? Are we talking about a 10-year career and a guy's laid off 10 years? From now? I mean, I, I don't know the answer to that, Kevin, and I think a lot of people don't, and I think it's causing some trouble. Yeah, I do. I, I have one of one of our biggest companies over here is uh, I'm meeting with them on Thursday to discuss uh, all of their employee development stuff that they want to do. Um, so yeah, it, it, uh, there it's it's not everybody, um, but there are uh, a number of companies um, and companies of significance, leader companies, um, that are saying uh, you know we we need to do things differently. We need to do things better. They are not necessarily saying we need to get into new lines of business. But what they are saying is, uh, the status quo as a business model uh, is not going to be working for us five to ten years from now. So they're they're coming up with something else. Well, give me a quick question. This is kind of both out of our areas, but it's one that you know, as, as you age, uh, a lot of the people that you hang with, you know, are on some sort of prescription drugs. Correct. I mean, uh, and and I hear from people just conversation. Well, I am. So, yeah. Well, I'm saying when we were 25, we didn't talk about prescription drugs, did we? Just saying. Uh. No, we, we also didn't talk about how good our morning craps were. Yeah, I know. It's, it's <laughs> but anyway, I'm not at that stage yet, so I, I, that's something i got to look forward to. Anyway, but the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to your main preoccupation is pooping. Oh, God. Uh, it's sort of like when you're, two, when you're one-year-old, same thing. It all, it all comes around. Yeah, right? yeah it's... It, it, when you're a, when you're a baby and when you're uh, um, a senior citizen. Um, so an- so anyway, as well. uh, an- anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, ev- everybody. I hear your phone blowing up now. <laughs> Actually, that's our that's our buddy Slim. Uh, the uh, which we, who we'll have on on Friday. Hopefully, the the phones will still be working. Hmm. Um, so I guess where I'm going with this, Kevin, is everybody. If you've listened to any of these conversations, somebody will have said, "By the way, I tried this generic drug." And it didn't work for me, even though it's supposed to be the same damn thing. And now I'm, I'm even though the generic is cheaper, it's made in China or India or someplace. 
and it's and now doctors are saying you can't use that. You got to use the real one because it's not the same, or something along those lines. And and then we have all kinds of anecdotal talking about the last thing we want is sixty percent. I don't know what the number is. Sixty percent of our drug supply being made in friggin' China. When we when we have when we have no controls over who's doing it, what's in it, all those kinds of things. Even though they say they have inspectors, now all this stuff is 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 fluttering in the wind, right? I don't know that I would ever recommend to somebody to say, you know what, everybody feels this way. This this kind of sucks the way it's going. I'm going to invest in a generic drug company, and I'm going to I'm going to produce 15 of these generic drugs right here, and maybe I'll charge a little more, but everybody's going to be want mine because, by the way, it's going to be the cleanest place ever, and the stuff's going to be pure, and it's every bit as good, maybe better than the original. I, I don't know what I, if I would recommend anybody to do that, Kevin, because we are so friggin' fickle, we could be back to China next month, and the guy could <laughs> just piss away everything. And, and, and maybe we're down to, okay, for half price, we'll try the crummy stuff, we don't care. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I mean maybe you know the, the stuff's going to get so expensive that somebody's paying 1000 a month for something else that they're willing to buy, you know, God knows what, you know, snake oil from China for 50 cents. I mean, I, I, the future, I'm not so sure I can count on our people to make this such that everybody has to have good drugs, and oh, by the way, if I have a clean plant here, I can actually make some money. I, I wouldn't trust them for a second. I'm just saying. Okay. You're going to tell me Okay. I think, that's, you mm-hmm. know, uh, I, I, I think that there, uh, there are companies that I would and companies that I wouldn't. I'm talking about is, is, is somebody you're advising, should I get into this business? I don't know what to tell them. Because the the, 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 win, the headwinds and the sidewinds are so variable and, and come from so many different places, and all of a sudden you might just say, maybe Medicare will only buy the ones from China because they're cheaper. Well, that, I understand. Yeah. No, but what I'm, what I'm getting at, Tom, is you know, what's, what's your business model becomes the question. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, it it, there's, there's a whole risk assessment process that goes into whether, what, you know, what you're going to do. And so you, you go through the what-ifs. Well, if you're going to produce these drugs and you can produce them at a unit cost that uh, um, uh, that matches anything that can be made in China, um, then you're going to be fine. No, how do you how do you go about doing that? Well, you're going to it's going to require a lot of capital, and it's going to require patience because you're not going to get an 18 month payback on your capex. But if you know, as long as it's paying back and you're meeting that demand. You you know you may find that you have a much better uh, a much better competitive position compared to China, and and that's see this is what I'm seeing in the manufacturing world um, that there are, there are companies that you know they they got the cold slap in the face when we had all the supply chain disruptions and they said we need to source things closer to home. So you know what does that mean? Well, you know I got to get my unit costs in line, and the only way I can do that, you know, I, I you know U.S. labor is not going to match Chinese labor, even when you factor in all the shipping and everything, because slave labor is free. Um, but you're once once you have a very very automated production system set up, then your your uh, marginal cost for production gets close to zero, and so now are you know are you in a good pos- competitive position? Well, that's you know that's where the imagination comes in. If somebody says, "I'm just going to set up shop because we want to do it domestically and we're going to do it the same old way it's always been done," no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't advise anybody to get into that either. Well, I just uh, I would maybe you know, I, you know what I'm going to say. 
we got to we got to head here. We get we get Russell on. On Friday we're gonna have uh, we'll try and get Mike on with us because he has some uh, interesting thoughts about this too because he's been texting me every thirty seconds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, but the, I I just have this this really weird view of the world, Kevin. And you know what? You know why I have it is because the uh, the savings and loan situation and what happened in the inflation back in the eighties. The government essentially put an industry out of work, and I don't, I don't care. Well, maybe I shouldn't be this, this extreme. I don't care if you and I ran the best savings alone on earth. We didn't have a friggin' chance. Maybe, maybe there's a few made it. You know, there might have been a couple that made it that just realized that the. Uh, the there were some that made it out of the Chicago. You know, they weren't Chicago area though. But they, but they, they did it. So you don't, you don't know about them as well. But they probably, they probably. You know, I, I, they probably when did. I when I was uh, over in Southwest Michigan, there were there were thriving savings and loans. But I mean, they, they probably did it because they had uh, uh, way less mortgages than other people, or something. Because if you were full up, there's no way you were going to make it when you're paying ten percent and, and, and getting and earning six. You know what I'm saying? I mean, unless you had massive capital and two mortgages out there. I'm not saying they all went under, but that I, and I to this day I'm convinced that that was done somewhat on purpose by Volcker. The more I read about it, the more I'm convinced it was. The banks didn't want these guys out there, and they put them out of business. They wanted the mortgage business, and now they got it, or most of it. So, I mean, I, I, I don't, I'm saying I, I, don't, I don't put it past these people to put anybody out of business. If all of a sudden Pfizer says they got a plant in China that's good enough, your plant could be toast here. No matter how, how no matter all, if you did all the stuff you just said you do, I, I think that it's horrible. I, and I want to get rid of this kind of stuff is where, where I'm going with this. I want it to be cleaner and, 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 and not as dirty. It, well, cleaner is not as dirty. Is is you know, I don't want government involved in what what wins and what loses to the extent they are, and I don't see that getting better right now. Do you? Um, no. So anyway, we'll no. talk more about Friday. I don't know, and, and we've talked about this before. One of the problems with it is I can see some administrations um, down the road that might uh, uh, be better in this regard. The problem is that we keep lurching back and forth. So anything that we try to do on a more permanent basis uh, tends to get undone. And until we figure out how to do things that are not done by executive orders, um, and, and until we get away from that, uh, it's not going to get better. Well, and, and China, That aspect of being in business is just not going to get any better. Well, and, and China We've feels... got to stop governing by executive order. Well, we also have to, we have to realize that China realizes that whoever it is, they're dealing with somebody for may, actually maybe not even four years, maybe two, and then they become a lame duck, and yet and they're in there for twenty years. Now, doesn't mean the guy's not going to screw up over there. I think he probably already is, but uh, it's, a, it's just a different world. They can outweigh whatever somebody wants to do. Anyway, we got a dash, Kevin. We'll, have, we'll talk more about this on Friday. We'll have Mike with us. Uh, SP futures up twelve, Nasdaq futures up forty-two. We're trying to be positive again today. Uh, well, mixed yesterday. We'll have right back with, uh, with Professor Russell Rhodes. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, 
Give Chiromed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They're located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at Chiromed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give Chiromed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. A bottle of your best champagne and put it on my bill. Very well, sir. Captain, please. Oh, please, monsieur. It is a little game we play. They put it on the bill. I tear up the bill. It is very convenient. Up on the hill. Hello, everybody. Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howell. I'm at front of the board. SP Futures up 10.75 now. NASDAQ is up 37. We're creeping up. We were down last night. I can see pr- the professor over at the faculty club. Maybe two bottles of fresh champagne and just ripping up. They're signing, signing the uh, chairman of the, the of the uh, university to it. Yeah. No, I could too, actually. Yeah, I can I see. I, I, can, yeah. I can see Russell doing that. Now, the question yeah. is, would he ever invite us? That's a big question. Russell, would you ever invite us? I'm, I'm, hold on, they're topping off my mimosa here in the faculty club. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys have a faculty club? Not here, no. Not, not that I know, let's put it this way. Not that I know of. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, God. That's even, <laughs> let's put, if, that, if they have uh, one, that's wait, even worse. Bring it, it's funny you mentioned that. Um, I guest lectured once at the University of Washington. Whenever, whenever anybody mentioned something like that, um, I guest lectured at the University of Washington out in Seattle once. And their faculty club was like, it, it, it was unbelievable. It was better than any place I've ever been in Chicago. And it was up on the side of a mountain, overlooking everything. It was unbelievable. Wow. Well, I think they should have. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, University of Washington is one of, you don't think of this, but it is, it is probably outside the Ivy League, one of the most beautiful campuses on earth. And that's because a ton of Microsoft money has gone into that school. Really? Mm-hmm. 
Oh yeah, it's uh, it, it, if you were gonna make a modern version of like Harry Potter or something, <laughs> their library would be, you know, that I think Gates or Paul Allen gave them would would be you know the center of everything. You know what I heard last week, and I would never have guessed. Somebody was telling me they wherever the hell, well, they must have been in Appalachia somewhere. They, they somehow stopped where Appalachian State is. They said the place is gorgeous. Oh, no. Yes, yeah. Oh, all, I mean, that, that part of the country is unbelievable. I've never really been through there all that it's, much. I, it's, I, um, you know, I, I married a Chicago girl, and one time I was driving, and I lived in Atlanta for a while. We were heading down to Atlanta, I think, for, uh, I don't, for some party or something. And there was a problem on the expressway, so we took back highways through Appalachia, and we stopped at some place to use the bathroom, and some kid walked in, talked to the guy that was in the general store. They may as well have spoken a foreign language in front of my wife. Was it like the scene in Deliverance? And <laughs> it kind of was. Banders and the kid, it was like, hey, Pa, I got... What did he say? He goes, oh, well, bro, I just got, got done catching dinner, and he had fish in each of his pockets. Great. The kids are walking the store. Like, oh, I got the dinner for tonight. Pulled one of the fish out and showed him. I was like, oh my god! So that's um, not, this is not the right. time to show him the Tribune article yesterday. That if you eat one fish out of fresh water around here, you're like killing yourself. No, not not down there. No, well, God's country, man. How do you how do you know that they didn't put you know? But, uh, and 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 since we're talking about Appalachia, that daughter that you met two three weeks ago, uh, sh- she's spending her spring break. Um, Doing volunteer work in Appalachia. That does not surprise me. Wow. She seemed like a special kid. Yeah, she's awesome. By the way, everybody's kid. Everybody thinks their kid's awesome, but I know by now. By the way, I'm going to get you. I'm going to. I'm going to totally piss you off here this morning, which is okay. No. Which is okay because uh, you. Yeah. Because you probably would end up doing it anyway. Uh, I yeah. heard the other day that one of the major. Is it April of? Uh, must be April of twenty-four. Is my guess. There's there's a massive uh, eclipse. To- a total eclipse oh, in wow. the U.S. In August? In April. April. And there's... I felt, I felt like the, the next it, one was... Because my daughter and I... You know, I you don't know this, but my younger daughter who, and I drove to the middle of Missouri for the last one. Well, that's why I'm uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping she's listening because uh, they were talking about that it, it goes all the way from, like, New Mexico to New York State. And and the guys who have the, the uh, places in Lake Placid are already booked up. For like a year and a half from now. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, they said that the best place to, to watch it would probably be the Oklahoma corridor, but the problem with that is it's it's in April, so you might have like storms and tornadoes. And I'm thinking if, oh Russell, if Russell's daughter finds this out, he's going to be in Oklahoma because if either they're going to catch the eclipse or if not, they're going to be able to chase a tornado. <laughs> well, uh, I'm. See, I think we all have bucket list items, and the eclipse was mine. And my youngest daughter skipped school with me, and we drove. We just drove to some really small town in the middle of Missouri. We actually had grilled cheese sandwiches at a drugstore counter. Really? And then the drugstore, they had a sign-up. The drugstore was closing. We're, we're going to close from whatever the time was, 11.30 to noon for the eclipse. And we went. My daughter and I went to Town Square. We sat back on some steps and watched the thing kick in and go away. Well, did you, did you um, guys have uh, and, those, those and, little boxes? And you as it, well, here's, here's the funny thing: is the last, the one that we saw. You know, Venus is between us and the sun, so we don't really see it very often. Mm. Um, 
when the sun got blacked out, you could see Venus for a second, and at the top of my lungs, I screamed, "Holy crap! There's Venus!" <laughs> yeah, well, <you laughs> I probably ruined this magical moment for half the town. Well, you can see it. You can see it at night once in a while. But I, now, did you guys have the the boxes you put over your head so you don't look directly? No, at no, it? no. This was full of clips, man. We just we, we just laid back and watched it. With what? Would you probe your eyes? We looked at it. <laughs> it was a total eclipse. You don't. Ha- you only have to do that stuff for partial eclipses. I thought even the even the part around the what do they call it the the, the edge the corona. corona. Yeah. I thought even the corona yeah. was da- was dangerous. Well, I I can still see and she can see and she doesn't need glasses yet, so we didn't we didn't look too badly. Oh, all right. Well, uh, so. so I have a feeling. Oh yeah, but in in what where I was going with you got me all fired up on a non business non sports mm-hmm. topic. Um, I, I'm for I'm forcing my wife and my other daughter to go see the next one that we can see. Well, it's like I say, it's April it's, it's or whatever. Something you got to see. Well, book now because these places well, are filled. Well, no, up. I, I, you, you don't. You don't. You know. You don't have to be at the place. You can just drive to drive within the uh, the path of it. You got to drive to Oklahoma without a place to stay. What do you got? You got a suburban like me? You want to borrow it? Dude, we we stayed. I don't. know, We stayed like somewhere downstate and then drove over into Missouri to be in the path of it. You know. All right. The red uh, roof. The red roof was the red roof in. Who's the one that keeps the light on for you? Is that red roof or is that the other guy? Motel Six. One of the two. I'm a big Hampton Inn guy, and they have the best cheese, uh, little cheese omelets that they serve for breakfast in the morning everywhere. Really? Now th- those guys are owned by who? They're all I mean, Hilton. Because Hilton owns what 40, 40 chains or something, don't they? They got a bunch of them. One of the smartest guys. We're really just talking about. Nothing this morning. Um, <laughs> so far, last non-last non-important topic. Uh, by w- when I was with SIBO and they were sending me all over the world, my wife organized me and and you know for, for points and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, and I ended up being a Hilton person. Okay. So. Now, did you are you able to use your points again? We'll we'll, we'll talk about something more important. So I, way back in yeah. the, way back in the day, I, when I lived in the South Side East. I used to go to this barber shop, and all of a sudden there's a guy in there, and it, you know, you, of course, people are always bullshitting in the barber shop. And the guy, he's an accountant, he's a CPA, and he does a lot of his clients are down in uh, Atlanta. Now this is you know many years ago, and he goes, uh, so I fly Delta back and forth to Atlanta all the time. And he goes, I'm going like yeah. you know sometimes twice a week. He goes, I got I got more miles than, than God. He says I've never been able to use one. I go, what are you talking about? And he says, every year. You can do it a year in advance, and I always want to go after the accounting season. So I call, you know, tax season. So I call these guys on April 16th for next April 16th. We, I want to take my family to Europe. I got 40 bazillion miles. Eh, booked up. So I call mm-hmm. the next day on the 17th. Booked up. Because I've never been able to go anywhere once. <laughs> I, is that... I don't think it's like that. I, you know, I, I, I had five years in Atlanta, and... Delta, I always felt like, you know, Delta, I didn't fly Delta that much, but um, I always felt like people it didn't really, I don't know, they were never really overly happy with uh, with when, with the blackout dates on the miles. I've, I've never had a problem with it. Okay. I've never really, but I, you know, I, I'll fly down to Indianapolis on miles sometimes or something like that. Well, I know my, my buddy, uh, John Lee, has been on the show, flies international all the time. He goes... Mm-hmm. You can have they never cut your break internationally. I mean, if you want to go from coast oh to coast, gosh, no. no. I mean, it's, it's a bazillion miles. I mean, it's like you know, if you fly back back and forth to New York enough, like Doctor J used to, or maybe still does, um, they would just wave them into first class. 
because they knew he was on the same plane every week, you know, type of thing. They didn't even take his miles. But I mean, that, that's not going to happen internationally, I don't think. Anyway, what did you think of the discussion uh, Kevin and I were having regarding planning somebody's I think your, your daughter's got the right idea. There's always going to be weather. <laughs> so she's, she's a meteorologist. She doesn't have to worry about that when she's 70. We're still going to have weather. weather. But I mean, right now, with all the back and forth overseas, problems with financing, big firms grabbing all the little firms, and all of a sudden there's this, you know, toot from two presidents in a row, oh, it's okay to be a small business guy. We're really pushing for the small business. I don't know if I believe that for a second, Russ. I, I think it's very hard to predict the future right now in terms of, hey, what what – uh, what job you want, what what business you want, should you expand, not expand. I think it's real difficult. I mean, it's always been difficult, but am I wrong in thinking it seems like a little tougher even now, or is it always tougher, seemingly? I, I think it's it's tougher right now. You, you, there, there are more potential landmines out there. Uh, something that I, I, I forgot what event I was at, that somebody was talking about how uh, the margin for error is much less because interest rates are higher than they used to be, and and this is global. Like the uh, and and they cited the the reaction that they had in the UK over they they wanted to you know change some things around tax wise and, and it basically uh, cost the prime minister her job. She was the shortest serving prime minister in history. Um, did you know she's made three million dollars in speaking fees since she left? Oh, so but, uh, maybe it should be Jan- Janie uh, Yellen. Maybe it should be Janie Yellen and come back with some other job in Congress or in their. Yeah, she, you know, it, it, I guess the last we've we've heard from her, but that was that's just an example. You know what? It, it was the uh, the roadshow. The you know you, you talked about the University of Chicago, um, you know, forecast. It, it was one of the people that I was I did the forecast in Indiana with. He just said that that it's. The environment is more difficult, and the margin for error is much less well, I don't than it has been in the past. And, and, and he's basically saying what you're saying. Is well, plus, I don't, I don't like the idea that if you and I start a business, our full-in number, I'm not talking about the rate, but maybe the fees and the fact we got to guarantee it and stuff, other stuff. I'm going to say yeah. our full-in our full in financing is probably close to 10, 8 maybe. Where where yeah. the firm that's going to take us over two years from now for successful, their 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 rates probably two. That that somehow that has to end, I think, and I, but I don't see how it's going to. Yeah, no, that I mean something's going to have to give with, with all of that, but and it will, you know, the rates will come back down. What uh, I sent you the article the other day, and it's kind of I'm not going to I don't want to really get well I get whatever you, whatever you want to talk about. I'm willing to go, but. Says to do it's a it's a our, our article by um, <clears throat> Sophie Kitterlin. There's a the name. Sophie. I don't, I don't know anybody named Sophie. Anyway, mm-hmm. it has a the richest richest. I have tons of students named Sophie. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think it's a yeah. it's a big younger Sophie person's uh, name now. Yeah. It's like Aiden. I didn't know anybody named Aiden. Now it's the most popular. Oh, tons name. of Aidens these days. Yeah, tons, tons of Aidens. The richest one percent of people amassed almost two thirds of new wealth created in the last two years. Oxfam, whoever the hell they are, said. Uh, new report from Oxfam, Texas. Well, anyway, they got they want to increase taxes on the ultra rich, blah blah blah. But I get I don't what I want to ask you, uh, Russell, is not as you know, not maybe as a maybe you've you know, got a few bucks, maybe you are conservative, whatever it is. What is the economic danger to that in terms of uh, and when I say this I actually read an article once that got it was crazy, but you know, it made some sense in some ways. 
said left in our own devices, maybe even through the uh, ability to manipulate the, the government, wherever the government is, 1% of the people are always going to steal, actually they said 10% of the people are always going to steal all the money from the other 90%. And it, somewhere along the line, it's government's job to redistribute it so they can do it again because it's actually somewhat vibrant. For the, I mean, I, I don't know if I believe that, but there's a certain sense to it. I mean, at some point, and I'm going to say 1929 was one of the points, was probably the single biggest time in our history where, what, where a small percentage of the population owned so much of the wealth. And look what happened. I mean, I, I don't know if that mm-hmm. was necessarily the re- that that's always going to be a result every time, but that's what happened at that time, where you had people you know, buying Duesenbergs and you had other people uh, you know, in the Depression for 10 years in rural and mining areas. I mean, it was a ma- major dislocation of, 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 of resources. And I guess and my question is, you know, I'm not trying to raise tax. I'm, I'm not doing any of those things. I'm just asking you as an economist, how unhealthy is it? I mean, I, I, I always thought it was... You're better off with a thousand people buying a bass boat than you are one person buying a you know a four mile long yacht. I mean, but how do you how do you quantify that other than that being my opinion? I mean, one 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 speaks of vibrancy, one speaks of I don't know what it speaks of, but mm-hmm. I mean, what what is are we reaching a point where it's not just something, especially if you're one of the people in the ninety nine percent are not happy with, but when does it become economically unhealthy or even economically dangerous? Oh, gosh. That's so loaded. Um, and and uh, when you finish it up there with economically dangerous, I think it, it when when the masses of people get so upset by it and are so enraged by it that um, you know, we basically have some sort of, of civil unrest that's directed at the, you know, because we want to tax the rich and eat the rich and all that kind of stuff. Um that when it spills over to that, and I think what it takes for it to spill over to that is some sort of uh, you know economic break like 1929. I, I, I don't think that's where we're headed. Um, but that's I mean I, I, that's that's the worst case scenario in all of that for sure. Um, well, I was looking at but, yesterday. I mean, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it's all I do is interrupt. But I was when you, when you look at the. The wealth that you know, he's managed to piss a lot of it away, but the wealth mm-hmm. this guy Elon Musk has. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I mean, in most of it, I'm going to say. I mean, obviously the guy's a genius comes with rockets and everything, but most of it came from carbon credits. I mean, if if everybody in this country who cannot afford a new car now, which I think just about a lot of people can't, if they knew that if they went and bought an F one fifty tomorrow or a Chevy Silverado, that they're actually sending a check for. Three thousand bucks, or twenty five hundred, or thousand bucks, whoever it is, to Musk on a Carmen credit. I, I think I think people grab pitchforks for God's sake. I mean, I, that that's an unconscionable that you should have to pay that kind of money that goes to that guy I mean, or anybody. I mean, I mean, for any reason. Yeah, but I mean, the idea. You is know, I mean, it, it doesn't. I understand the the idea that taking money away from yeah. That I understand the idea behind carbon credits, but I think it's stupid yeah I, I think it's absolutely just it because it, it, it doesn't help anything at all yeah it, it truly got yeah, so you're going to pollute you're going to spend a little bit it just becomes a cost of doing business well but just the, like you know just like fines are a cost of doing business for big banks 
and it doesn't, and you know, the fines don't really discourage bad behavior from big banks, and you know, having to purchase carbon credits because your industry is considered dirty by whoever decides those sorts of things. Um, yeah, it just it, it doesn't make any economic sense at all, and it doesn't change. And the reason I say it doesn't make any economic sense is it's not changing anybody's behavior. No, it all it does is you know, and it's not saving the planet. Which, and this, this is the best part. I, I don't know if you've seen the video of the guy uh, doing. Oh, uh, my my earbuds are about to die on me. Um, I don't know if you've seen the video of the guy that was uh, doing the debate. I think at Oxford in the UK, and he was talking about um, you know basically global warming or climate change, whatever we're calling it now. And he said, and he made a really good point. He said, you know. He, the UK, he goes, the UK could sink into the ocean, and that's only 2% of carbon emissions, and it wouldn't change a thing. Wouldn't change a thing, no. It's, it's, it, it's, it, it, it's, it's, poor, it, these are his words, I don't want, you've got to be very careful what you say these days. You know, it's poor people in Asia and Latin America, they, and, and they don't care about the environment. They just want to live day to day, you know, and, and it, it's, I, I think some of it's making their lives more difficult than, than it really needs. Well, the thing that takes but they're, people... They're the, they're the ones that are really going to determine all this. Well, they, th- for the, the Bill Gates of the world flying around in a private jet, I mean, Carl, Carl basically makes the point, and, and there's no way you can, you can debate Carl on a lot of issues, but the thing that takes people out of poverty and always has, you don't get out of poverty without energy of some sort. Electricity, a tractor, yeah. you know, and, and the fact Steam. that hell yeah. i mean it, go, it goes back to steam yeah i mean it, you, you, you know you don't you don't become a terrific farmer until you got i guess you could go with a horse and uh and a plow that, that got you to stage one but even the horse is you know but what if you, if you have cows it's a uh, the major source of methane is what cow farts basically i mean uh mm. i mean Burps. okay so now, now you don't want cows anymore <laughs> you know I, mean? I mean at some point here i mean i, I you know i don't know i don't know i i think we can find a way to to find ways to, to deal with it in terms of planting trees, planting other stuff, it's not going to. But you're, you're not you're not going to tell somebody in the middle of the Sudan that he, he shouldn't own a tractor. I mean, really, when you're flying around in a jet, I mean, you know, because the tractor's dirty. Yeah, no, it, it, yeah. The the hypocrisy is unbelievable. I just, I mean, I. It, it just it, it and you know people point it out and and then they move on to the next conversation. Yeah, well, it's. But it, but it's an interesting it, thing to say. The reason why we have global warming is my neighbor has a has a gas lawnmower. Really, I mean, come on. I mean, uh, what are we talking about? You know, the, mm. I mean, the, the grass he just cut probably eats up as much carbon dioxide as he just made, right? I mean, uh, yeah. so I mean, I, I'm trying to I'm trying to uh, you know because this is what my skill set was before I be, before I became a trader was at, at Pullman and places. I I used to do a lot of the forecasts going forward and what. If the forecasts were no good, I say forecast. I didn't make the world's forecast, but if somebody said, mm-hmm. you know, this machine is going to return its money in, in two years, four years, six months, you know, I, I did all the sensitivity analysis on that. Even when the even when the CBOE was going to buy the P Coast and build the building, uh, they didn't have a uh, an analyst. And I said to uh, what was the guy who was the controller, the nicest guy? What the hell was his name? Well, uh, Alan Dean. Yeah. You know, Alan, was, I loved Alan. He did a great job at the CBO. And, and he goes, you know, I don't, I, I don't have a, 
an analyst that knows how to do this stuff. By the way, are you busy? <laughs> he goes, I know this is your background. So I did all this stuff for him. You know, it didn't take me mm-hmm. that long. And, uh, and I, I never told anybody back in those days that I did it. I mean, I let Alan present it. And he goes, look, look, if this happens, this happens, this happens, we got, we got a clunker. I mean, but that, you know, that's what I was good at. I, right now, I mean, I, I don't know if I'd be frozen into inactivity if somebody asked me, should we double the size of our, our, our firm because we've got nothing but orders? Not gonna, you, to, nobody's going to double the size of their firm when every day you're being told that, that 2023 is bringing either a soft or a hard recession. Well, no, I'm, I'm talking. I'm not talking and, about. And, 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 and I'm, I'm kind of backtracking a little bit to what we were talking about before. Well, you, you know, the, people are being told that this is a great time to start a business. Uh, the government says that to you, but the popular press says that we're, you know, that 2023 is going to be a terrible time to start a business. Well, I, I didn't. I and should, when, when they're telling you, it's, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, I should have mentioned that I, I'm, I'm in tune with a couple of these machine shops now because I just happen to know these guys from the south side. One's relative and one mm-hmm. I play softball with. Uh, the, they are busy as all get out because all of a sudden there's a little more business in, in, the, in an area in Chicago which has had no you know, manufacturing. Well, not, no, they've had very little in a while, and all of a sudden there is some. And, oh, by the way, the places that haven't left have machines that are you know, 30, 40 years old and made exceptionally well, but now all of a sudden... There's parts that need to be redone, conveyor belts, you name it, this part, that part. And these small firms can manufacture these parts, and that's what they're good at. You know, they use these new machines, and mm-hmm. I mean, plus guys could do them on the lathes and all the old stuff. No, but those guys right now, Russell, are, are very, very busy to the point where they can't, they'd like mm-hmm. to hire a few more people. They'd like to work Saturdays. I don't know that I could anywhere near advise somebody, see that building across the street? That could be us. And right, and when and we should think that this is going to stay, and oh by the way, you know, two years from now we're going to be happy we did this, and even though we got to pay eight percent, and they're going to want you to mortgage the house, which they shouldn't. Thanks, Dad Frank. Thank you. Uh, we should go ahead and do this. Well, I, I don't. I don't know if I could tell somebody to do that, Russell. I mean, even though right now it seems like they're they're, they're turning away work. I mean, I, I I don't know how. We, I mean, I'd, I'd want a professor. I mean, I don't know if, if you can even help me make that call. No, not, I mean, I. it would be very difficult to make that call right now. That's and good, that's and good. you're getting so many mixed signals, it's ridiculous. Uh, December PPI, we must like it. We're up 20 points here in the S&P. We'll start with that. We'll go, we're going to break, and we'll be right back. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. 
We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it is time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-349. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, and welcome to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Alman, burning the board. I'm trying to dig through the uh, PPI numbers here. Mm. We've got, uh, well, we got to December 2022, uh, unadjusted 12 months, 6.2 final demand. Uh, we've got, uh, see, November to December. Actually, according to this thing, we got a minus 0.5, but the actual, the, the adjusted number uh, it came out to be 0.1 X food and energy or something. So, everybody's sort of happy. Although we were up 20, now we're only up 7. So, not as happy as we were a minute ago. Uh, anyhow, on the rest of the stuff, we will we'll get to that in a second. On d- different page digging through all that stuff is always interesting, mm. but we're not going to we're not going to bore anybody with that mm. all the way uh, all the way through. So we have the uh, th- these are all going to be a little bit late on the because of the uh, this came out again. We're up nine fifty now. We were up six, then we were up twenty, and then we we're up six, and now we're up nine. So we're we're zeroing in there. It's not not, not that big. Wholesale prices. Fell 0.5% in December, much more than expected. Uh, my question is, when we get back with Russell, is last month in the CPI, we had gas prices way down, which everybody was cheering. They're back up 15% in the last week. Now, is that just going to pop right back next month? You know, who knows? Uh, anyway, over in Europe, we were muted earlier. We're still, uh, DAX up 15.1%, FTSE down a buck, call that flat. CAC up 22.3, so virtually nothing going on over there. The Nikkei up 652, that's 2.5%. They claim there's no change in the yield range. Yesterday, their their, their number, their interest rate ballooned to 5.59%, and they came right back down today. So Hang Seng up 100.5%, Shanghai up 16 cents, call that flat. Yesterday, mixed bag, <coughs> Dow was down 391, S&P's down 8, NASDAQ up 15. So yesterday was a uh, some a few stacks in Dow, normally Goldman Sachs got whack. Everything else was okay. Uh, bonds, <coughs> down 10 basis points, 3.43, heading... Kind of the ad- opposite direction with the Fed raising rates. 
A bun down 7%, 2.01, in danger of going under 2%, which I didn't think I would, would have predicted. Uh, Japan down 7 cents at 0.43. Remember yesterday morning was 0.59. It's a big move in, over there. Uh, oil up a dollar 42, 81.60. Brent up 118, 87.10. Natural gas down 18 cents, 340. Still very low. We've got gold up 10.60 now, 19.20. Silver up 21 cents, 24.28. Copper up 9 cents, 431. We've got Bitcoin down 70 bucks, but still over 21,000. 21,269. We have the U.S. dollar uh, kind of really getting whacked here. Uh, the euro is up uh, 60 basis points to almost 1.09. The pound almost up to 1.24. And I think their low low cut was like 114. So we're, we're the dollar is down quite a bit from its highs. Andrew, uh, Andrew, Matt, what do you got for us, Trevi Weather Sports? Easy to Andrew, Matt, to what's the difference? What's the difference? Two, two, two guys, who cares? Yeah. Uh, good morning, everybody. Two talented uh, dudes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you, thank you. Uh, good morning, currently 7.36 a.m. on January 18th, 2023. Uh, traffic accident westbound on the Eisenhower. It occurred before Route 43, exit 21B. Uh, traffic is solid, so expect delays up to 30 minutes on the Eisenhower. Weather in Chicago, currently cloudy skies. Right now, 35 degrees. A high of 39 later today. As far as this week, tomorrow a chance of rain in the afternoon, Friday and Saturday looking to be cloudy, and chance of snow on Sunday. Right now in Phoenix, cloudy skies, currently 45 degrees, high of 57 and a low of 35. Last night in the NHL, Blackhawks beat Sabres 4-3, Blackhawks back against Flyers on Thursday night. In NCAA basketball last night, Tennessee won against Mississippi State 72-59. Alabama beat Vanderbilt 78-66, Baylor the winner against Texas Tech 81-74, and Houston against Tulane, Houston won 80-60. That's all for now, Chief. Back to you. Um, my producer, can I ask my, my guest this question? I know it's going to cause him ultimate chagrin. And it's a risky one? Huh? It's a risky one. Okay. Russell? Yeah. I have to ask, mm-hmm. why aren't you in Davos? Why am I? I want to go to Davos. I know. Why aren't you? Why? Why didn't the school send you? No, know, because because I probably disagree with ninety nine percent of what they're talking about in Davos. It doesn't matter. You're supposed to be sitting at the bar, quaffing a martini, getting getting scoop for stacks and jacks. <laughs> I, I let's get press passes and go next year. Why not? Um, can you imagine how tightly held those things are? <laughs> I, you never know. You, you, all they can do is say no. I think we could, uh, you know, I actually looked once. If you want to go one year, it's like uh, a bunch of dough. And if you want to go a lifetime membership, it's like a lot of money per year, like until you croak. It's a big deal. Well, apparently they're, they're letting, letting in uh, Oliver Stone. So uh, I think, Chief, you, 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 if you want to pass, you can get it. Um, Why not? Oliver Stone might have a few more shekels than me. What do you think, Russell? <laughs> I think that money, yeah. Uh, I, think, I, I think he's got a little, he, 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 he He's got a better reputation than we do. <laughs> well, plus, I mean, there's no way, there's no way that we want us there. Of, even if we go first class, if you fly commercial, you're, 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 you know, you're the part that goes over the fence last, right? Oh, I don't do that. Come on now. We'd have to get a, you know, somebody. We can get. You can't even. No way. We're going to a prop job. You got to have some, you know, Gulf Stream something something. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm I'm going to Europe next week. Um, so I I'm but it, I, hold on one second. My phone's doing something. Like that. Ah. Well, you could, you could like take the train by Davos and say you were in Davos. Yeah, I could, I could, I I could always just go by and wave and go yes, or you know, and then I could do one of those things on Facebook, like I checked in there. 
Um, and then for the rest of my life, people will think I went to Davos. I think I think my, my buddy Dr. J went over to a skiing like at the same time of the thing once. And uh, oh yeah, they do the uh, they they've got that ski trip that he does with a bunch of exchange people. It was last week he did that, I believe. Um, the ski intercourse. So, yeah, no, they did. I get I get invited to that. Somehow ended up on the email for that. I don't ski. I went I went one year. I went. Did it was in I, uh, it was in Vail. It's called the Ski Interbors. It's a ski, yeah, it's a ski week that's what, for, I, I couldn't think of a name. Yeah, yeah. It's I, a ski. It's a ski week for all the different exchanges in the world, and every, and everybody hosts them every year. And when in the year CBOE and Amex, and we hosted it in uh, Vail. Mm-hmm. So, so I went out there, and uh, I was chairman of the marketing committee, and I was on the board. So I was I was one of the chosen few. It was it, it was kind of fun, but I tell you what, <laughs> people were goofy. I got a good one for you, but he's—I I guess the statute of limitations are, are over because the guy's been dead for a while. It good guy, Duke Chapman, who was a chairman of the CBOE. And Duke, Duke had come—he had a, a serious history to him. When I say that, not bad. His dad was the chairman of uh, Capital Cities for a while. Wow! And he was—he was the head of the God. What's the the huge uh, athletic club? Athletic club, the huge club, right on. Uh, I'm going to say it's the southeast corner of Central Park. It was kind of, was it Carnegie's place? Oh, I've been there. I know what you're talking about. I, yeah. I spoke there once at a Barron's event, but I can't think of the name. I know exactly what you're talking about. Well, Duke's dad's picture was bigger in the hall of former chairman mm-hmm. than the uh, Carnegie's. <laughs> His portrait was wow. bigger. You know, anyway, so, so Duke or the family, they, they had a house in Vail. And they had a guy who stayed in the house who was a ski instructor with the idea that every time Duke and his wife and whoever else went out there, I mean, the guy, he, I don't know if he'd, he'd pile out of the house when they piled in, but he was he had to give ski lessons like the whole time they were there. I mean, that was the deal. Other than that, he could stay there for free, I think. I mean, so it was Duke and his wife and Bill Flourish and Dr. J. And John was out there. Yeah, he was out there. And, uh, and, uh, and me. So we, we got free lessons Every day for the three days we skied with this guy, it was great because I, I, I improved my skiing dramatically with this dude. Anyway, but it was, so all these people was a was Super Bowl weekend, so they did this big area where they put the bleachers up and you sat and you had hot dogs and beer and stuff and watched the Super Bowl, and uh, they put all these uh, like these Nerf footballs. All these German dudes, they were out of their mind. They, they were, all they were doing, they had a big, they had a big Nerf football fight with the with the footballs. These are guys that so are they, adults. They, they, the, the Germans thought that that they, that they were weapons. Yeah, well, they, they thought this was great fun. <laughs> was, so they're, they're winging them at everybody in the play. I mean, they were nerf yeah. balls, right? but you're sitting there getting bonked on the head with a, and all, Everybody wore the whole the whole group wore white, plain white T-shirts. Everybody else has got like regular shirt or <laughs> The entire there'd be fifty guys that played white T-shirts winging these balls around. I'm like, what? Are you, these guys are are from Mars, anyway. But there were some really good skiers. Not, Sounds not, like a bad Fellini movie. Oh yeah, it was, it was something like <laughs> these. These are adults, because everybody's bleep face, all the free beer and wine and booze <laughs> and stuff. But it was it was it was quite the event. And uh, of course, there were all kinds of prizes. I didn't come close to one. I mean, people doing and and, and for the ladies, they had all the different uh, fashion ski shows and all the other stuff. People were buying stuff. It was it was it was kind of fun, but. <laughs> I never went to what the ones. Was the in part, what was the business purpose? It's it's all the exchange. It was it was. I know it's all, all the exchange. I, I they all get the, there was no business purpose except to meet people. <laughs> it, was, it was a reason. There was, was no business purpose. There was meeting. 
There were a few meetings, but I didn't go to any. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I had breakfast with a couple of the big I was invited to everything. Every morning I was having breakfast, you know, the chairman of the, the DAX and his other places. I mean, I met all these guys, but it's not like I ever talked to them again. I mean, it was just, it was okay. But I, I enjoyed the skiing. I mean, but of course, you know, Dr. J and I were staying out at the one end where it was cheaper because we were paying for our own. The sea building pay for us. But mm-hmm. we, had a, we had a nice time. <laughs> it was, anyway, odd, odd stuff. But uh, that the Davos thing, I mean, you know, it, it, I don't know. I, the, the uh, there's a few people from CNBC there. I mean, what 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 can I, I honestly think though that we, we we need to drive some of the the initiative down down the pipe a little bit, Russell. I, I don't want another 29 with eight years of uh, depression. I mean, I yeah. don't, and I don't, I don't want that to happen. Uh, now, granted, it probably wouldn't happen this time, but uh, somehow or another, a few people just can't own all the dough. It's just not healthy. I mean, it, if, if it you know, a lot of people are more industrious. They're luckier. They work harder. I get it. I'm not. I'm not against people making money. For God's sake, I'd mm-hmm. sure like to make more myself, and, for, and certainly would like my clients to make more, which means I'd make more. But uh, so I have no problem with that at all. I just somewhere along the line, when you start seeing things like a company that IPO'd, and all of a sudden they give the, the chairman a bazillion shares worth of stock. He sells the stock at sixty. The company goes belly up two years later. Yet he's got forty billion dollars. Nobody else's butkus. I, I I see stuff like that, and I just, it just I just I shudder. I just you know that's that that's not a way to make money. I don't think. I mean, I think you need to earn it somehow. It just that's just yeah. Money. I mean, it's a it's a way to to get money. I I, I don't think using the word earn yeah. is, is proper there. So I mean, how do you? What you guys must. Uh, and then we have these, you know, crazy numbers coming out that are they're, they're shoving the market around. I mean, what, what, when you guys get together, what does everybody talk about? I mean, if, if you had a faculty club, what would everybody? What would the economic guys? What's what's number one and two and three on your agenda? If you if you could influence uh, legislators like they did in the seventies when we when we deregulated a lot of industries, what would you say? I mean, are, are people convinced that bigness is a problem, not a problem? I mean, you can you can find people. I, that, I mean, I. My my big concern is not necessarily with the concentration of wealth. Um, my my concern, as far as our day to day lives here, is us be uh, we we need to loop back to being self sufficient. Well, I agree with that. You know, we used to we we used to do everything. You know, it, it, we used to do everything ourselves, and used to be able. If 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 the rest of the world cut us off immediately, used to be we'd be fine. And and you want that, you know, you as far you know in, in any aspect of your life, and as a country, it's it, it, I would like to see us, and I think we're we're looping back to that now, where we realize that we don't want to be dependent on, you know, a country like China, which is in my mind about as about as bad as Germany in the nineteen thirties and forties. Yeah, you know, uh, the way that they the way they treat their people, the way they treat. Um, yeah, and they treat minorities even worse. Um, you don't want to. I, I don't want to send those people a dime. And I think I, I think that should be a common attitude. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, it's yeah, like, and, 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 and so you, know, you you mentioned you know if I could talk to legislators, I don't know what the government could really do, but do anything that you can to encourage uh, us to become self sufficient again. Bring manufacturing back here. I don't, you know, and I don't know the solution behind it. I really don't. 
and I don't know what businesses what businesses would want from the government to stop sourcing from China. Well, but and, it's cheaper. Yeah, and, and the thing is, apparently, the the, the the labor thing where it's really cheap to make things in China, um, Mexico is China has grown to a point where it's actually you'd be better off putting a factory in Mexico right across the border than putting putting one in China. Well, we have that's the solution is we you know help prop up Mexico and work closer with Canada and and kind of work you know. Work everything that we need to do with within our hemisphere. Well, I would I would agree. By the way, my uh, significant other would absolutely uh, go with you on that. But I here here's two two. Uh, you know, it was a long time since I was in school, right? But uh, there were you issues. Come to my class. I could come to your class. I'd be in the yeah. in the. I'd, I'd sit in the back row. I was a back row guy. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be anywhere near up front, you know, mm. type of thing. I was always a back row guy too. Mid row, I was always mid row. I could see, I could see, and I, I bet Andrew was front row. <laughs> no, no, you got in back row because so you know what girls are in your class. But I know, I know, yeah. Thomas had to be the one guy that, if they were to say, well, if there's no other questions, we'll all leave. Stuck his hand up with the guy you just want to murder. <laughs> <laughs> I've got, I've got one of those this semester already. Oh god, oh god. <laughs> but I have so. uh, two kind of, um, I'm going to say, serious questions. One is the the theory, and I, you know, I I certainly believed it from the get go, uh, but now I'm not so sure execution. By the way, when you're talking about carbon credits, that that was all being discussed when I was in grad school. Wouldn't it be nice if we let the market take care of pollution and only the the only people that could pollute actually really needed to for for serious stuff, and you know, and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, but the, and the execution has not gone well, but. The idea of, uh, I mean, if you were a Friedmanite, and he was a very, you know, he was a, even though he was considered conservative, he was a very liberal economist in the sense that he was a free market guy. And yep. he was convinced that if you, if you threw a couple of Ford plants or whatever down in Mexico, like you were just saying, that somehow or another, that the, if, 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 you, if you push the envelope of economic freedom, somehow political freedom would, would follow. And I'd say that as much as I... I, I and ninety percent of what the guy said, I think he's a he was a god on earth. Ten percent of the stuff he was flat ass wrong, and that was one of them. It didn't change. I mean, China has has made dramatic economic uh, advances, and it hasn't it hasn't stopped the politics one iota. Matter of fact, it's probably gotten worse. It's but, gotten it's gotten worse in the last five years. But even in Mexico, the idea was yeah. okay if we brought F one fifties to Mexico. And we're paying people three fifty an hour. We're paying people seven fifty an hour here. Was when you know probably when that mm-hmm. happened. Uh, we're actually no. We're probably paying people twenty here, but still we're paying three fifty down there. That the, the idea was, it was like selling people, giving giving the razors away, and the people want to pay for the blades. It was the same theory. That after a period of a decade, uh, we were essentially making customers down in Mexico. That they're going to sit there and say, why are we only making three fifty an hour? They would have the same struggles, economic struggles, labor down there that we would, and they would essentially win like we did. I don't know if we won anymore. I think we've regressed when I say we, labor. Uh, it's somewhere along the line, those guys are going to be making $12 an hour, not three fifty. And oh, by the way, they're buying stuff up here, and we've created another 30 million customers, and we've, you know, we're going to be rich up here beyond the dreams of avarice. Yet, mm-hmm. here we are, 40 years later, 35 years later, and they're still making three fifty an hour or, or, or 6 bucks. Same way in China. The people are still slaves. And oh, by the way, 
you got to pay off some politician to keep the people slaves, which we do. And that's why and all of a sudden China's got it, all these millionaires that are in the party that do nothing but ride herd on the factory workers in the factory that you and I own. Well, that sucks. But that, yeah, and, and I'll tell you, the government's taking those millionaires' money away. Uh, if they, if they don't escape. That's how they're funding themselves now. Yeah, if, if they don't escape. Some, a lot of escaped. Yeah, I mean, Jack, you know, the Alibaba guy, Jack Ma, I think he's in Thailand now. But yeah. they they pretty much took, you know, his companies away from him. Oh, I agree. I, and, I, and I honestly believe that, because there's no transparency out of China. I, 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 where are they getting the money to, you know, lock everybody down, still feed them, and test everybody every day? Well, how many, I think they're. I think they're appropriating wealth. Well, how many people do you think? Well, I, mean, I, know, I know there's a foreign corrupt. What's the name of the law? Foreign corrupt practices. How many people over there, party party schmucks, do you think Apple has on some sense of the payroll? Oh, I'm I'm sure whatever province that 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 they produce all that that Foxconn produce. Well, first off, they, Apple outsources the iPhones to a company called Foxconn. Well, you can out, you can outsource your hanging too, but it's still you, right? Yeah, but, but, but so it might be Foxconn that's uh, bribing the people, not Apple. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, that's, that's where I'm going with that. Yeah, that's yeah. With, well, I mean, but, it's, it's one step. Indirectly, and that, that's probably, that may be a reason. I You know, this is me just uh, pontificating, but that might be a reason that, that instead of, uh, you know, that they outsource it to a separate company that I think is based in Taiwan. Well, it, uh, it wasn't really Dan Vito. He, he just outsourced it to Luca Brazzi. Right. Right. <laughs> and, and, Luca, and Luca pays the bribe. Yeah. Yeah. I get yeah. it. So, but, 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 uh, but I guess, but, but why, why, ha, why, ha, point, why hasn't sure, that worked? I'm sure there's a, a, a big portion of expenses that go to paying government officials over there. Um. And I just I, I I would never try to set up. A, you talk about you know uncertainty in setting up a business in the U.S. I'd sure as heck set one up here versus over there. I would too, right. because if you become too successful, you, you know you end up on the party's radar, and next thing you know they're finding you. You've become too successful, so you must have broken some laws or, or you know engaged in anti-competitive practices. So we're going to take. Three quarters of your net worth away. Well, if, if the if the regular person is making a buck a day and all the rice they can eat, and you got a million uh-huh. million bucks, I'm I'm gonna just assume that somehow you had a you had a you had an angle. I'll put it that way. You you had an angle. <laughs> and I think there are hundreds of millions of people that are living in China that are living the way that you just mentioned. Which way? The, the Wall Street? Dollar, you know, yeah. Living off a dollar a day. And, yeah. and mm. you know, I, I saw something yesterday that talked about there's probably 100 million people that are malnourished in China. Oh, yeah. Well, I've, wow. But, but, it, but let's, flip, let's flip over to here because I had, um, by the way, my significant other gave me the same story you did on Sunday. Why don't, what's the matter with us sourcing stuff in this hemisphere? Well, Mexico is not a box of chocolates. And, and, and we have people from Central America walking 800 miles to try and get here. Right. Is well, if, if there was a bunch of stuff for them to do on the other side of the border... Well, that's right. That would, but that would be... Stop there. But that would be, uh, the, that would be the theory. What I'm saying is there have been people back... You know, I'm just pulling one name out, Milton Friedman and his gang. We're talking the 70s. They, they wanted those 
they they wanted, and some of the people in government here allowed it, made it happen. They wanted factories in Mexico, Guatemala, yeah. Nicaragua, Venezuela. So people were able to not only stay there, but by the way, buy a bunch of crap from us, which which would be great, right? Oh yeah, no, you you create a middle class. That's but the idea. But we we have absolutely not we, the mm-hmm. middle class has not happened. It, 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 it I mean. We we how much money have we given in the last fifty years to cent- places in Central America? I can't even know the names. I mean, my he wasn't my roommate, but he was a roommate. He was in the in the in the suite next door to us in Morrissey Hall at Notre Dame. Mario Cardinal. He was from Nicaragua. He, his family had to get out of there because they they were the wrong political party and they got chased out. And I'm going to say, and he ended up going back there. I think I'll bet you. I hope he's still alive. I'll bet you it's no better than it was back then, and we've we've poured billions into the place. I mean, what you know? I guess my question is, I and mean, this is not a racial tint; it's nothing. Why has the continent of Africa? There's not one middle class, not one democratic society. Maybe Egypt or someplace. There might be one that I don't know about. There isn't one place in thousands of thousands of years where people have managed to. Develop a middle class, develop a, a society where somebody's going to say, "I want to go live there." I mean, what what is the problem? I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I is it is it cultural? Is it? I don't think it's religious because there's people up here that are Catholic that manage to be in the middle class. I mean, what what is? We we have to figure out before we just say let's source everything to Mexico. What's wrong with Mexico? How can we? Yeah, f- you, you know, I, I gotta. I have to be careful on it, yeah. and, and I'm really talking about this in an academic sense. But it comes down to uh, a certainty with respect to the rule of law. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, I would I'd like. I would, and I'm, I know I'm all over China right now. I would never, ever buy a put option on 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 the CSI two three hundred um, on a Chinese exchange because I'll guarantee you if something happened and their market was down twenty percent today. They would close their markets, and I wouldn't be able to sell that put. I wouldn't be a bit surprised. You know, why do we have people here recommending? Whereas, I do not. You know, if I if I did the same thing in the U.S., if I did the same thing on a European exchange, I would have no concerns. You know that in, in that thing that happened at the London Metal Exchange, where nickel rallied a whole bunch, that was China that that um, basically shut the thing down because. The fundamental exchange is owned by a Chinese firm. Well, do you do you put and that? That's an example of normalcy over there that we're all like, you don't you don't do that in free markets. Uh, are you? Uh, I'm gonna boy, I'm gonna walk you out on the plank here. Are you? No, are you starting to uh, include Hang Seng in the same category you just described? Oh yeah. So you think the the you're, you're oh not, absolutely you're not and, and, and China has has done a great job of. Completely screwing up Hong Kong. Well, what do you? What, how would you but, describe I mean, Hong Kong's they, economy? They, you only got a minute, but you know the consulting firm I work with. We sold conferences in um, Hong Kong, and we moved them to to. Uh, well, we moved it to Singapore and um, Sydney. We actually split it into two different ones, but we're not going back to Hong Kong. And we closed our Hong Kong office, and the government over there reached out and said, "You know what? What? What, what can we do to bring you back here?" Nothing. <laughs> yeah, nothing. Well, I know what you could do. You could allow Hong Kong to go back to the way it was for you know fifty years or whatever before the handover. What uh, can you? You only got a couple minutes. Can you describe it? I mean, what was it like before? Was it really mostly all British? 
Well, it, it was it, it was interesting. I had to go there every year for five years um, in the like the middle of the last decade, and you went from feeling like you were in a in a, in a country where everybody spoke English to it just completely flipped over to, to everything. And I, I can't remember if Cantonese or Mandarin, but it, you could just see every year I went, you could see this slow creep that. You know the Chinese government, the the mainland Chinese government, was you know getting getting involved in everything in Hong Kong. Were you were you ever there before the handover? Was that before? I was 2000? never there before ninety nine. No, no. But it, it, you know it it didn't seem it, it didn't seem Chinese the first couple of times I went there. It seemed very much like a part of China the last time I was there. Well, a couple of people at the Cebo, uh, Marty, Mar- I think Marty went, and I think uh, Alex Jacobson, I think, and they. They said it yeah, was they cool. went on. They, yeah, they they preceded me there. I thought they said they it was to like Beijing. I went to Beijing with Marty. Really, I th- well, Marty, Marty, great yeah. guy. I, uh, but they, I think Marty said it was pretty much all Br- all British. <laughs> it was back then. It's yeah. not anymore. I, I the thing that really stood out to me was um, you know the kiosk of my McDonald's breakfast didn't default to English anymore, and I couldn't find a cab driver that spoke English to save my life on my right. last trip there. Well, hey, when you decide where you're going for the Eclipse, maybe let me know. Who knows? It might be a field trip, Stacks and Jacks. Yeah, we could. We, you, know, you know, eclipses are great radio fodder. <laughs> well, now why would it, if, it, if, if it's yeah. going to come right through here? Why would why would we go to Oklahoma? Why don't we just go? No, close? Go if if yeah. you're in the trail of it, you can just step outside, and then you, you can do like they did at the drugstore. You can close for thirty minutes and go outside and watch it, and then come back in. You know, Lake Placid doesn't sound bad though. We'll give a, a play-by-play as it goes along. I always mm-hmm. wanted to go to Lake Placid. We yeah. could do that, although the guy's almost full. Lake Placid Lodge. Anyway, SP Futures up 12. Nazavi's up 61. Russell, talk at you next week. Matt, nice job. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke, don't do 